And the Lord says that even as you are here seven years, there'll be now 20 years where you will begin to plant the seeds for multi-generational ministry. And the Lord is going to begin to speak to you about how to uh, build for the next generation. And the land that he has given you is the promise of the Lord. And you will expand and you will stretch out like never before. And the Lord says they will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west to be part of what God is doing. And God is going to release people in your congregation as a seed to the nations as never before. I see, I see mission teams leaving uh, every month to go to a different part of the world. And the Lord says that you will begin to walk in this season in prosperity in a way you have not known. The Lord says, son, if you think the last three or four or five years were good, you have not seen anything yet. And God is going to begin to bring leaders into your church as never before for the purpose of God. And there's something connected with the land, because as soon as you got on that land, it's going to release and activate a grace in your life and ministry as never before. Amen. All right, we do have a, a resource table back there. I encourage you to buy everything back there. Uh, if you're with us, how many were here for New Year's? Okay, awesome. Here's the recordings. You want to get it if you live in the state of North Carolina because it's really, really strategic. I said uh, last week, I think I was in Elizabeth City, that I've been privileged to be a part of... Uh, I'm going to move this down a little because I'm not that tall. Uh, to to be around a lot of powerful things, but this was a strategic moment on God's time calendar. And I encourage you to listen to recordings. So that's back there. And then, uh, for whatever reason, uh, this is a little bit of my life's journey and some encounters, some situations that have shaped my life. The beautiful thing about every person in this room is everyone has a story and everyone's going somewhere. The question is, are you going in the right direction? <laughs> You have too much purpose on your life to waste time going in the wrong direction. So that's back there. And then um, if you haven't gotten this, uh, Dale Mass was with us at our fall conference. You want to get this. This is the best book on leadership I have ever read. It should be a devotional. I think he's making it into one. It's called David Perceived That He Was King. Uh, it'll take you a while to get through the first time I read through it. I was flying somewhere and he wanted to get my feedback right away. And I was a little mad because... Uh, something shouldn't be read too quickly. Anyway, so that's back on the table. And then uh, if you've never read my book, you should. It's amazing. <laughs> it's really good. No, just, I was going to say I'm joking, but I'm not really. <laughs> but um, the only way I describe the book is this. Is um, Well, I'll just say this. God is looking for people who dream with him. And um, the, the Lord told me, as I just began the right part of this, just dream with me. And what's really interesting is I put my own experiences in the book, but then I also began to imagine things. And as I imagined them, I went into the experiences of them. Your imagination was meant to be sanctified. And uh, as long as it's under the leadership of the Lord, there's a whole world out there that God, God actually waits 
often for people to put their faith in certain things so it opens a door in their life for, for them to experience it. A lot of people are waiting on God, but it's actually a sign that they've actually given up that God would do something for them in that area. He's actually waiting for you to believe. Anyway, so that's back there. Um, guys, I'm just going to teach. Uh, I'm, I'm telling the ushers that because I was going to receive an offering, but I feel like we're going to do that later. Uh, did you bring your Bibles tonight? All right. Thanks for coming tonight. Appreciate you coming. Uh, there's been a lot of little challenges to get here tonight, but we're here. If there's not a challenge, uh, some, I don't know, I'm not going to say that, but hey, why don't you stand? Let's uh, stand. I know you've been standing for a while, but let's stand and just open the word of God. That sound system's going to work <laughs> in Jesus' name. Hey, Trip, are we able to record this tonight? All right, I'm recording. Good. I'm recording with bugs. Let's lift our hands. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for every person here. Now, would you open up your word to us, God? Father, I need your help. Without you, I can't do anything. But with you, I can do all things. Fill me with your spirit. Put your words in my mouth. Lord, give people ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, give me language for what you want to speak in this room. Let there be revelation, application, and impartation. Thank you for your presence that's here. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, let's turn to... Oh, you can be seated. Sorry. <laughs> I've had this rolling around me for weeks. I... I <laughs> I don't know if it's the best message you've heard, but I think I have something to say tonight. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, this is Paul obviously speaking, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering. Do you know, one of the marks of seeing the face of God is humility. Like, how do you stay humble? You stay in God's face because you realize how small you are and how big he is. And the longer you walk with him, the easier that you see you have a little growing to do. <laughs> the cross was perfect. Its application is still an ongoing process. I listen. Just leave that alone. Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Keep that verse four in mind because it's a really key part of what Paul is saying here. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father 
of all, who is above all and through all. And uh, the New King James, you all, but actually the New Testament actually reads us all. So it says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, one who is above all and through all and in us all. So there are there are callings and he's and Paul will develop this thought here in a minute. There are callings which uh, which are to each individual. But the goal is always to be a part of a much larger community. And then verse five, it's it's uh, it's supposed to be part of much part of community. And it reads us all. One died. Jesus died once so that the body could represent him. Jesus always gets a return on what he gives. One died so that many sons and daughters could, uh, uh, could, could, could become uh, under his lordship. And then he continues. Verse, uh, let me say this. Each individual member of the body contributing to the greater whole is what displays God correctly to humanity and the world system. There is not a complete representation of Jesus in one individual. You just can't have it. What God, what God intended, and Paul plays this out in his language, is you can have a ministry gift, you can have a ministry calling, and it can have effect on the world, but unless it's connected to a larger body, it's not what God intended. Sometimes throughout history, and this is clear, he's had to go outside of what was called church. Just because something has a name church on it doesn't mean God has anything to do with it. It's another thing. You can put church on the sign, you can have nice music, you have nice lights, but God isn't a part of it. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, it's going to get a whole lot better here. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, was it mean he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So he says, uh, our common connection is the Lord. But then he emphasizes again, there's a gift of grace assigned to the individual so that none is overlooked that makes you part of a greater whole. It's going to even get better here, though. So how did grace come? Paul sees significance and Paul is actually quoting Psalm 68. In Psalm 68, the, it's God who is lifted up on a mountain. And he is the highest of mountains on this, on this look. And it says, uh, uh, let me see, verse... Uh, Verse 17 and 18, it, it's, it's a captive. He has led captivity captive. That means that Israel, God's chosen people, represented by the ark, has conquered all of its enemies. And now because it has conquered all of its enemies, God himself, who, who was represented in the ark, is lifted up on this mountain. And as he's lifted up on... Thank you, Lord. As he's lifted up on this mountain, he actually gets spoils from all the people that he's conquered. And everybody looks upon this mountain and they see that God is Lord over all. God in Psalm 68 God has victory over all his enemies and the spoils are taken away from those who've been conquered. They knew they lost. 
So here's the New Testament uh, significance. Jesus, today we celebrate that. Jesus died. He didn't just Hollywood die. He went, he died and went into a grave. He went into the lower parts of the earth. That's what scripture says. The whole discussion, did he go into hell? I don't really care. All I know, no, what I, what I'm really, really, what's really, really important about this is that he died. He led captivity captive, but then he also ascended. Jesus Christ, the son of David, won victory over the devil, death, curse, and sin. And he led a triumphal procession as a sign to destruction of every foe. So how did he say? How did he, how did he lead captivity captive? He led captivity captive by doing what he did as a prophetic picture in Psalm 68. Paul does something brilliant, what most Jewish writers do. He points to it, he goes, this was the picture of what he did. He died, and not only did he die, when he went down, he ascended over every dead thing, everything in the lower parts of the earth and upper parts of the earth, that he could lead captivity captive, and now he is a captain and the Lord of hosts of all. Keep this in mind, though. The cross was of no benefit to Jesus. Jesus did not need to go to the cross to die for himself. That is the beauty of Jesus. He loves people so much, he's actually willing to humble himself in weak humanity who he created so you could be exactly like him. Here's one of my favorite thousand verses in scripture. Having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle to them, triumphing them, triumphing over them in it. The key there is that not just that he uh, uh, descended, but excuse me, but that he ascended. And then you got to follow the reasoning here, though. He he descends, dies, and then ascends over everything that would hold the world back. He was after the whole planet, not just people. It's really interesting that when uh, he has his discussion with the devil, the devil goes, all the kingdoms of the world are mine. He didn't rebuke him because it actually was his until he went to the cross. So he says, because I did this, I gave you gifts. And he himself, this is part of the, see, when Israel would conquer, they would take spoils and then distribute them among the soldiers. When Jesus conquered hell, death, and the grave and won victory on the cross, these are the gifts that he gave you. I like the stuff he gave us. And he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. In the Psalms, it says he received gifts from men. In this one, he distributes gifts among men. Let's look at some characteristics here quickly. The gift here, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher... 
They are not actually gifts to the body, but the person is actually a gift to the body. The Ephesians 4 gifts are named not as abilities given to people, but they are people given to the church. God is the one who sovereignly chooses before the foundation of the earth. God's the one who chooses. Doesn't matter if you hang out with Peter Wagner, doesn't make you an apostle. Doesn't matter if you hang out with Bill Hammond, doesn't make you a prophet. Doesn't matter if eight people laid hands on you and said you're something. If God didn't call you, it doesn't register. It's God. The one who calls. Man can only recognize what God has already set in order. Here's good news if you're called to fivefold ministry. Those who are called are actually gifts of Jesus himself to the body of Christ and therefore the rest of the world. So if you're called to fivefold ministry and you don't like yourself, you don't like the gift that God sent to the world. So there's deliverance available for you tonight. Now what's interesting is they are gifts to the world. And Paul would later teach, give them double honor. But where honor is given, there is also stricter judgment. So you don't want to call yourself. God intended each and every believer to receive a measure of grace from these ministry gifts. The person in that off this gift is actually a portion of Jesus himself when he walked the earth. So an apostle is a gift like Jesus was to the earth who, who operates an apostolic function, a prophet, evangelist. They're all actually gift representations of Jesus. So that as we came together back to the whole unity thing, as we came together as one, that's why he won't put it in one person. I get very nervous around churches and individuals who can't, they're not like us. Well, they weren't meant to be like you. <laughs> and then it gets even weirder if you're charismatic because they don't have the revelation we have. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> but then here's the important part. He led captivity captive He conquers hell, death, and the grave so he could actually give authority back to the church to restore the earth to God's original intent. And then part of his spoils, part of his concrete thing is that he gives gifts, both men and women, uh, men and women to the earth that look like him so that as you receive grace from them, you could be like Jesus. But it didn't end there. Because he he sums it all up in this. That he might fill all things. That he might fill the earth with the knowledge of who he is. That everywhere you go, because you came under prophetic grace. Because you came under an evangelistic grace. Because you came under a pastoral grace. Because you came under a teaching grace. That everywhere you go, even though you might not be those things, there would be a grace on your life. When you manifested those things, you would look like Jesus and you would destroy the works of the devil and advance the kingdom of God. That he might fill all things. That he might fill all things. That he might fill all things. And there is a represent... Oh, I'm going to do... I haven't done it in a while. I'm going to do some preaching tonight. I've been very calm the last few months. 
But there is a representation in the earth that God is looking for, for men and women in the earth to look like Him, to not back down from difficulty, to not back down from a mountain, to not be defined by culture, but to actually fill all things. It doesn't matter if there's five or a thousand, if it doesn't destroy principalities and power, if it doesn't, if it doesn't fill the city with the doctrine of Jesus, it is not the body that God came to give us. So here he is. To the, that Paul would later write this. This is a measure of what it looks like to see the church in operation. There's nothing wrong with counting people. There's nothing wrong with numbers. But if you have 15,000, 20,000 going to one place and there's not a shift, a, 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 a tangible shift in the atmosphere, it is far lower than what God intended the church to be. To the intent. Now, the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So he gives these gifts. And here, here's a sequence again, just to lay it out, because I want to break down these different graces that everyone gets to partake in. One body giving grace through the five ministry gifts. These gifts were given by the Lord Jesus himself and so they're synergistic because I'm going to talk about characteristics of those graces that God died to give you. So you can see them operate. We'll look at it even tonight. You'll see these different graces operating in the life of, of believers. These gifts are the fruit of him destroying the devil. And then finally, so that the earth may be filled both individually and corporately with the knowledge of God. They're good gifts. So, let's look at them. We'll define them and look at three characteristics of them. That's why I started preaching now, because I have 15 points tonight. That was my introduction. But I don't think you came on a Friday night for a sermonette. Apostle is one who is called by heaven who carries a governmental kingdom authority to break through and establish the kingdom of God where there is darkness. An apostle carries a unique grace upon his or her life. Actually, read the end of Romans. It's a woman he, he refers to as an apostle. That really bothers some people, but I kind of like it. So that they can break through in areas of the kingdom of God that have difficulty breaking through against the forces of darkness. An apostle carries a strong prophetic anointing because he or she must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What, what, what the Holy Spirit is saying in all situations if they're going to break through in a particular area. It doesn't make sense to march around a city every day and then shout on the next day. You have to know what God is doing. It only makes sense if God told you. They're, they're prophetic because they often declare what the Holy Spirit is saying. Then they're given the grace and revelation to fulfill that which the Holy Spirit is saying. An apostle carries the heart of the Father, knowing that his success is predicated on his ability to release and increase the kingdom of God through others and what the Holy Spirit and the people the, the Holy Spirit has put around them. An apostle with proper perspective is, that, is one that longs to see others around him stand upon his shoulders and go further than he or she has ever gone. I mean proper perspective. So, 
you can be an apostle. But if you got people kip, kissing your apostle ring, you need to think again. They realize much of their building in the kingdom will only see the greatest fruit in the latter half of their life or often after they've gone to heaven. Apostles carry a strong anointing for signs and wonders to establish the kingdom of God and declare the preeminence of the king's domain everywhere they go. Some apostles are given territorial authority. Others are given authority to actually govern and change nations. It's not a matter of one apostle being more anointed or gifted than the other, but rather a calling by God in heaven itself. Apostles, I'm going to skip that. Apostles are given authority by God to take nations. It's crucial of the gift of the apostle to be cultivated in this hour because apostles are the foundation of the church. Paul would write in Ephesians 2 verse 20, that apostles and prophets are actually the foundation of the church with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Another mark of an apostle is usually they've seen Jesus. So the reason I define it is because now here are characteristics that of apostolic grace which are given to every believer. You receive it from an apostolic ministry, and once you receive it, it can be part of your normal life. And you'll actually see this. Here, here it gets really good. Characteristics of apostolic grace. They have a profound sense of calling. Apostle actually means an official representative charged with a commission. This is how Jesus put it. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also sent you. If you're in Christ, you're one who God has called and you're a sent one. Why are you put on this earth? Because you're in Christ and Jesus has sent you. How can you do the things that God tells you to do? Because Jesus Christ has sent you. You are an ambassador of a different world put on this earth to shape the world like heaven. You must live with a profound sense that you're called by God. You can also recognize the call of God in other people. A mark that you know you're called is you actually take responsibility for your own spiritual development and don't blame everybody else for your situation. Because if you're sent by God, then God can work it all out. Regardless of difficulty, regardless of church problem. He can work it all out because you're sent by God. Second mark of apostolic grace is there is a... These are not obviously exhaustive. I'm just throwing out three. (laughs) Wisdom to operate in the timing and the seasons of God. Really, really important. Because a lot of people have prophetic understanding, but they don't have the wisdom and patience to wait to walk it out. I love that your, your heart becomes a chamber of heaven when God speaks to you. He has things in his heart for you. And he, he has them in his heart. He's got a lot of thoughts, according to Psalm 139. As the sand of the seashore. That's a lot of thoughts. And they leave the heart of God and they're released into your life, often in seed form. 
That's where the challenge comes. Because most people want it in manifestation form. But how you choose to work that seed, how you choose to shift, how you choose to respond to difficulty. See, the seed is always supposed to define your environment, not the difficulty of your assignment. And so the wisdom of God, that's one of the marks of apostolic grace. That's why prophetic people need apostolic people. Apostolic people understand time and seasons and they know when to implement things. Here it is. I would like to suggest to you that you should never say you don't know what to do ever again if you're a believer. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask or ask. Of God, who gives to all men, liberally, unbred if not, and it shall be given to him. And it doesn't mean you have a prophetic word for every situation you're in. I have thousands of prophetic words over my life. They don't govern my life, though. Sometimes I don't have a word for something. I sit before the Lord made some decisions this week. God, thank you, because I have the wisdom of God. Father, I think this is the right thing to do. If this is not the right thing to do, you let me know, but I'm going to do it because i got to make a decision today. Sometimes he'll go, don't do that. Sometimes he'll go, do it this way. Sometimes he'll go, shift the way you think. No, not the season. Now the season. Sometimes he says, I'll back you up. I got your back. Because you're making a good decision. Sometimes he says, do what you'd like to do. The whole point is, you consult the captain. Third one, advance the kingdom. Apostolic grace is not passive, but aggressive and assertive. Apostolic grace has a certain worldview in which it demands the will of God be established no matter what the mountain. That's why I like it. It does not accept the environment around it, but demands the environment bow to the reality of God. Apostolic people, apostolic grace, read scripture and goes, this is what you said and this is what must be. You said, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. This is what you said. I'm glad my mom had a little bit of this in her. Oh, Lord Jesus. You know, they mock some of those people, but they wouldn't let you leave the church until you got filled with the Holy Spirit. My, my mom didn't pray nice prayers. Save them, Lord. Make him miserable till he's I'm serious. He's yours. He's not mine. That is not a woman waiting, waiting for things to happen. That is a woman using the word to make things happen. One of the signs that you're influenced by a religious spirit is passivity. The devil loves passivity. He loves you to go, oh, it's just not working out. He loves for you to back down. He loves for you to think bad thoughts about yourself. And I'm sorry, it exists so much in the South. Brother, we tried. No, he didn't say anything about trying. He told you to do. It might take 10 years, but believe that he'll do. I'd rather believe God and die trying than go, well, it just just didn't work. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffer violent and the violent take it by force. It's not in your own strength, but receiving the strength of Jesus and going, this will not be. The people in my neighborhood will know Jesus. That interrupts your life. When I started praying that. Because then the lady across the street wants to talk all the time. 
And I work from my house. And I go, I, okay. Yes, I'll pray with you. Prophets. Jesus ascended on high. He led captivity captive. And he gave us prophets. Prophets are called by birth like Jeremiah and have a special place in the heart of God because they hear, see, and communicate the Father's intention to entire generations. Prophets have been called by the Holy Spirit to make intimacy with the Holy Spirit their highest obsession. This results often in unusual experiences with the Holy Spirit on a routine basis. Prophets are usually mocked and often rejected because they communicate heaven's truth to a people often enslaved in the kingdom of the world. A religious spirit will often try and stop a prophet because it hates the heart and the mind of the Lord being communicated to God's people. That's what they are. I know a lot of people have made messes saying they were prophets, but it doesn't take away the authentic thing. We have to stop coming to conclusions that God never told us. Well, we had a problem with that, so we're not allowing it anymore. I just don't see that in Scripture. Prophets open doors for people to see from heaven's perspective and for people to have their own unique encounters with the Holy Spirit. Prophets should spend many hours devouring Scripture because it's a foundation for the communication they release to the body of Christ and the experiences they have. Some people ask, have you heard anything new? I said, no, I'm still trying to figure out what's in the book. All hell will often come against those who function the prophetic office because of the foundational authority given to them. Prophets also carry a foundational governmental authority to break through and establish the kingdom of God. So here's some characteristics of prophetic grace. You still with me? It's only 845. Number one, prophets have made a quality decision to be a friend of God. I say quality because it takes a quality decision. It makes a decision that when you choose something, you don't live with any other options. When you choose, I will be your friend. This will, this will be part of my life. This will be, take my time. This will be a thing in my life. They don't try and do it. They do it. The good news about all that is everything that God has asked you to do, he's given you the power to do. A life of friendship results in a life of deep encounters which release to us upgrades in authority. Here's the beautiful thing about fellowship with God. You'll do it forever. You were born to understand God's pleasure towards you and live in His pleasure. Second characteristic of prophetic grace, hears, knows, and obeys the voice of God. That's every person in this room. My sheep don't ever say you can't hear God. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow them. See, you have to line up your language with God. And he answered and said to them, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is where you're open for upgrades. This is, this is a beautiful thing when you make the choice. I will live by your word. Whatever you say, I will do. No matter how scary it looks, no matter how uncomfortable I feel, if I feel like Gumby every day of my life, I will obey you. Third characteristic of prophetic grace. They understand they are a royal priesthood. What do I mean by that? A prophetic understanding of your life as a New Testament believer is this. That you stand between God 
and man to speak God's word. A prophetic understanding that wherever you live, God sent you there as a gatekeeper. And that you can decide what comes into your neighborhood and what comes out of your neighborhood. You can decide what happens around your cubicle. And that you've been put there. Apostolic grace. God has sent you there. God has sent you to clean that floor. God has sent you to punch numbers. God has sent you to deliver pizzas. And as you deliver pizzas, you stand between God as a worshiper, an intercessory role. Thank you, God, that no one in my, my family is going to hell. Thank you, God, because out of this place, I get to release my intercessory role. I love what Joseph says. Jo- Pharaoh goes to Joseph. He goes, I've heard you interpret dreams. He goes, oh, no, only God interprets dreams. And then he goes, tell me your dream. What was he doing? He's the voice of God to Pharaoh. Third, when Jesus led captivity captive, he gave evangelists to the church. Literally, it means good news. It should be good news. So let the good news go all over your face. The worst devil is a religious devil. Really is. Because it uses scripture to justify being bound. Evangelists are called by God. Here's the intersection here. To preach with apostolic power. Do you know when it says on the day of Pentecost. And Peter said to them. It's the same Greek word that Luke would use to say, and they spoke in other tongues. Why is that important? Because it's a simple message if you read it. All, it, does, it doesn't have to be deep. It just has to be what God is saying. And what it says, that word cut to the heart. A sound came, a city was changed because he had an apostolic word that announced good news. And he was, he, he was Peter. It wasn't like, y'all are away from the Lord. Y'all need him. God loves you. No, he's like, all you guys crucified him. And you're sinners. And you need Jesus. What must we do? You need him. I need deliverance myself, but you need him right now. (laughs) They preach with apostolic power and declare the truth of the gospel. And every woman's need for repentance and reception of Jesus' finished work. Why do I say that? Because I've run into believers 10, 15 years. They can't tell people why they need Jesus. You don't need to be an evangelist, but tell, don't, God doesn't, like, I've heard people, God needs a friend. No, he doesn't need a friend. You can be his friend. But everybody did something wrong. You were born wrong. But the good news is, Jesus came to deliver you of every stupid thing you ever did. And you're in need of him. And it's a good life. There is no entrance into the kingdom without without repentance. There should be... I've heard people, well, we just want to love people. No, I want to love the hell out of them. Yeah. <laughs> they want to be loved, they can go to the Lions Club. 
It should be both. Give them shoes and give them Jesus. The reason for the shoes. That's why the government can't fix the problem of the poor. Because they can't change people's minds. And they oppress them further. With a check. Jesus didn't die for a check. He died for a new life. The procl- I, I, I told you I was going to preach this. The proclamation of the gospel is essential grace upon the life of an evangelist. An evangelist is primarily motivated by the eternal destination of the hearts of men and women. Evangelists release a grace upon people to be planted in eternity. Evangelists operate in great signs and wonders to authenticate the gospel message and cause the hearts to open to Jesus. Now here's the good news. God is unleashing a new wave of evangelism in the United States as never before. Some evangelists will be in the mode of Billy Graham and fill stadiums for cities and months and weeks at a time. Others will operate in the marketplace and preach the gospel on the city streets. This wave of evangelism will release a grace upon the people of God to claim the greatest harvest ever. You can clap. It's okay. I grew up Pentecostal. Here's characteristics of evangelists that graced. Boldness and desire to share the gospel. You don't have to back down. If you know Jesus, open your mouth. Tell your story. Tell them what God has done if he's really done something for you. Second thing is the ability to share the gospel. You have to be able to do that. You don't have to be, it doesn't mean you'll have to preach every week in front of people, but you have to be able to tell people why they need Jesus. People go, you're lost. What am I lost from? No, serious. People say, what am I lost? What do I need Jesus for? Here's Acts, the eighth chapter. Let's read this. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Saying, arise and go toward the south. This is uh, Acts 8, verse 26. Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, this desert. So he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the Lord said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So here you see a merging of the voice of God, the ability to hear the voice of God, the timing of God. Go talk to this guy because he is ready to hear the gospel. It's a merging of graces. It's God's gift to you to be him to the world. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come to him and sit with him. And the place in the scripture where he, where he read was this. He just happened to be reading about Jesus. Just happened. I'm telling you, you are the answer to certain people's prayers. 
There's people on your job. There's people sitting on planes next to you. Somebody's praying for them. Somebody's interceding and you got the key to open their heart to him. So the eunuch answered him. I asked of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth. Yeah, you got to open your mouth. <laughs> in the beginning of his scripture and preached Jesus to him. Preached Jesus to him. That's beautiful. Then he went down the road and they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's the water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. I never understood why people said, I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring out if I need to be baptized. It's so weird. You're either in or you're out. Now, when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip up. See, you obey God, he'll take you where you need to go without a plane. No, I'm serious. I've done things for God. And they said, you can't get on this plane. I said, I need to go home. I, the lady said, I said, just check. I don't believe this. No, you don't. I do. You do things for God. He'll take care of your stuff. Saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Asosus passing through and he preached in all the cities and came to uh, Caesarea. Third is this. Signs and wonders. God gave evangelistic grace so everyone could walk in signs and wonders. Let me say this too. Signs and wonders were, were intended primarily for the world system, not a grace to keep the people of God whole. Jesus died so that the body could be made whole and that they would operate in signs and wonders to, to show people the wholeness of God. Doesn't mean we don't sometimes pray for healing, but that is the, the, the best God standard for believers is complete health. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands. This is every believer. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. When Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men, the pastor, Title given by Lutherans and some other bodies in the the clergy derives from the term herdsman or shepherd or shepherd of souls. Pastors called by God to lead as an elder in the church and whose primary motivation is the welfare and the care of individuals and families. I thank God for pastors because they help me think. I'm not really worried about where you're at. I want to just let's go. And they go, well, let's let me help you with this process. Okay. Under their sphere of influence, pastors have a deep love and compassion for people that is often manifested by love and understanding for people's life journey and God's process in this journey. This results in pastors being involved in the lives of people through counsel, encouragement, and intimate relationships. Pastors also manifest a fatherly grace to be able to understand and implement change at a community level. That's what I mean. 
Sometimes they'll let's just go. This is what God said. Well, well let's work let's work with the people. Doesn't matter what the people think. Let's go. <laughs> Pastors or preachers and teachers of the word of God with a strong emphasis usually on practical application of scripture. Here's some characteristics of a pastor. Now, this was interesting of what the Lord spoke to me here, this. A pastor is called a shepherd, a guardian, a one who, who watches over the welfare of people. Sheep are stubborn. And they need to be told where to go often. So one of the effects of understanding pastoral grace, I'm going to touch this, is understanding your need for community and to be part of a larger body. Jeremiah three fifteen. I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's not a flattering term to call you sheep. <laughs> They're often stupid too. No, I'm sure I just, these are characteristics of sheep. But we have a shepherd, the great shepherd, Jesus himself. So one of the characteristics is to realize your need to be part of a, a larger body and also realize your need for somebody to help you along the way. It's gotten very quiet in this room. Here's another fruit. The ability to have relationships and contribute to a larger community. Jesus calls these unique men to himself. Four were fishermen. One was a tax collector. So he was definitely a sinner. And I don't mean that jokingly. You knew he was robbing people. One was a member of of radical political rebels. He's probably a communist. Gets very nervous when I say things like that. The point was, Jesus brings these men from unusual backgrounds together to him, but also in the context of community. How many want to bet they had some issues with each other? And none of them left the church with anything that God said. Why? Even when they didn't understand what he said. He didn't call a committee meeting and go, hey guys, come on Tuesday night. I'm going to explain to you what I was talking about eating my body and drinking my blood. I'm serious. Read the scripture. He didn't say, let me help you with that one. What did Peter say? Some left. The inner 12 and the three didn't leave. He goes, Peter, you going too? It's fascinating how Jesus relates to people. I am convinced God will speak things and say things that are difficult for your heart to wrap around to see if you're still going to follow. And it will often expose your own desire to really want to control things. And Peter says to him, we're not going anywhere because we know you have the words of life. I want to suggest to you that he didn't fully comprehend everything he just said. But he knew enough, I can't leave this group of people because my whole destiny is tied up in it. 
So sheep need help. And sheep have an ability to have relationships and contribute to a larger community. Let me just say this, because this is something that seems to be happening. I know some people are disillusioned with experiences that they had. Maybe they were mistreated, or maybe God's not moving in power how they want. The answer is not to leave a community of people. Okay, just helping you. Here's the final one. Love and compassion for people. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered and like sheep having no shepherd. One of the marks of pastoral grace is that we actually love people and have compassion for them and don't hold their issues against them if we do something to them. What do I mean by that? There's times where I know somebody may misabuse something I give them, something I do for them. But there's a time where I go, you told me to do it. Whatever you choose to do with that is not my issue. And so many people are worried about being taken advantage of. You think Jesus was taken advantage of? (laughs) And there's something, this is something very unique too. When you actually put yourself in relationships with people and actually serve people, you and 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 you and something happens, they they are offended or they get mad or they get hurt or they mistreat you, and you're the one who's been helping them the whole time. You know, I know people who have helped other people years, paid their paid their mortgage, paid their rent for years, bought their bought them, you know, whatever it was, bought them groceries for their family for years, sent their kids to college, and those people walk away and they don't even say thank you and they leave, whatever. I've been around that. When that happens, it is only in that place of betrayal that you can actually identify sometimes with the heart of God. Because people walk away from Him all the time and He never gets offended. He goes, I'll keep loving you. And you can only find that when you actually open up your heart to people. So don't ever make a vow in your heart. I'll never do that again. I've always said, I'll never say never again. I'll never say I won't do something. Because it could be something what God wants me to do. Some of you, I I, I don't know why I'm saying this. Some of you have actually limited your destiny because you said I'll never do that. I don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. God goes, okay, I'll agree with you. And you're, you're actually stopping a door of grace God wants you to walk through. It doesn't mean you won't go to heaven. It just means you won't, to see, you won't, able, you won't be able to see that aspect of heaven here on earth. Jesus ascended on high and led captivity captive. He gave teachers. Thank God for teachers. Thank God for Joyce Meyer. Thank God for Kenneth Copeland. Thank God for people who love the word of God. Teachers are called and established to have authority in teaching and preaching of scriptures, obviously. Teachers do not just have a grace to teach 
There are, people can have a grace to teach, but doesn't mean they're called to the office of a teacher. They don't just have a grace to teach, but they have a ministry gift to teach and expound upon scriptures. Through teaching and preaching, I'm going to keep preaching. (laughs) Through the teaching and preaching of scripture, teachers release the spirit of wisdom and revelation to equip and ignite passion in believers to love God and his nature as expressed in scripture as a foundation of their life. Teachers release a grace upon people on the people of God to be able to rightly divide the word of God. That's good. To discern truth or ever error, excuse me, and to live out the experiences of scripture that that scripture offers to the body of Christ. Teachers have a unique great grace upon them to reveal scripture and give understanding of practical application to the believer to live an overcoming life. I like instruction because it helps me get where I need to go. And often, growing up, I struggled with, they go, you got to do this. And I would say, how do you get there? I don't know. Just feel it. And I wasn't feeling anything. I needed instruction. I needed more than just shouting at something. I needed the word in my hand to create a path. And here's the beauty of walking out the word. You're like, okay, did this. Okay. You don't get it once. That's Western stuff. You do it once. See, God doesn't want you to live in moments of faith. He actually invites you into a lifestyle of faith. That's what I'm learning more and more. I don't want just high moments. I don't just like, oh, it's amazing. God showed up. God provided it. God did this. Oh, we really broke through. And then go back to being normal. He wants to stretch and stretch where before you waited for six confirmations. Now, the only confirmation is you need. God has said. Because you know his voice. And you're not just visiting, walking on the water. But you live it as a lifestyle. Teachers release a deep love and appreciation for the word of God. A true teacher does not just love scripture. But has a desire to live out the truth of scripture in every facet of their lives. Culture does not define one's view of scripture when a teacher teaches. Scripture defines my view of culture. You don't add God. You don't try and change what he said about prosperity. I've noticed people want you blessed until you're really blessed in the body of Christ. They don't want the pastor to make more money than them. I'm struggling and he's got money. Well, you don't understand. His prosperity is connected to you breaking through. Got very quiet when I said that. And we use scripture to teach us how to live. In every facet. We develop not an American worldview, not a European worldview, but a biblical worldview. 
Because every one of us think a certain way. Now, are we thinking like God? That's the beautiful goal. Number three. There's second characteristic number three. I'm landing the plane here soon. Yep, look, I'm, I'm on the last page here. I move quick tonight. Second characteristic of a teaching grace is can rightly divide the word of God. We celebrate the Reformation this year. And one of the core values of Luther, God bless Martin Luther. He got the Jew thing wrong, got the word of God right. <laughs> Wanted to burn Jews, not into that. That's why you need the word of God. <laughs> he did. He wanted to preach. He liked the Jews and then they didn't want the gospel. So they said, kill the Jews. He went Old Testament on them. Except they gave us the Old Testament. So he was real confused. But his core value was the priesthood of all believers. His desire was to get the word of God in everyone's hands. Why? So you didn't have to wait to church on Sunday to find out what God said about something. So that you could let the Holy Spirit be your greatest teacher. When the Spirit of truth has come upon you, He will guide you not into some truth, all truth. Everything you need to know, you'll need to, you'll, you'll, God will let you know when you need to know it as long as you're in fellowship with Him. You won't miss any turns. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you things to come. Why? So your words can line up with the future God desires. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Final one. Characteristic of a teaching grace that comes upon you is the ability to bring instruction. Doesn't mean you'll stand up and necessarily teach, but it's the ability... Can, here's a mark. Can someone look at your life... Today, if they got born again, good to see you. Did you come from High Point? Yeah. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. If you led somebody to the Lord tonight at Waffle House, because some of you look hungry already, and go, what do I do now? You go, hey, let's start here. The ability to bring instruction. Part of the Great Commission was, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go and make disciples of nations, not just get people saved. And then what do you say? Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. That's for every person in the room. Could you bring them into a community? Or would you bring them to a coffee shop on Sunday morning? Or whenever you're, hopefully you're part of a community. Could you bring him into a larger community? Listen to him. He's teaching the word of God. Listen to everything he's saying. Read your Bible and see if what he's saying is true. Don't take his word for it. Take God's word for it. What do I do with my money? Oh, let me help you with that one. What do I do about this anger issue? Forgive. But they really, they really did me wrong. I know. We've all been done wrong. Life is not fair. 
But God helps us out with that one. I, I, still can't, I still can't forgive them. Oh good, we have this ministry called deliverance. It can help get rid of that root of bitterness inside of you that defines all your relationships. Because you don't have to live that way. I have sickness in my body. Let me pray for you. He is the Lord who heals you. What is that? The ability to bring instruction. My kid's acting like the devil. Well, let's start there. Now that you're in the kingdom, the Bible said, as for me in my house. So he's not a son of the devil. He's a son of God now. So stop giving the devil permission to go after your kid by talking like him and helping the demonic things stay on him. Well, how do I do that? Just start praying. Well, how do I pray? You can come to my house tomorrow. I have this problem. Oh, problems are just opportunities for God to show forth his goodness. It's really big. I know he said, speak to it. Don't beg him. He's already wants to do something about it. But ask God. What do you mean ask God? You can hear from him. I just got born again. I know. He didn't give a qualifier. You can hear him the first day you get born again. You can even hear him when you're not saved because he likes you. And he doesn't want you. The ability to bring instruction. But to each one of us, to each person in this room, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And when he ascended on high, he led captivity captives. He died to give you gifts so you could be like him. Now he ascended, what does it mean? He also first descended. That means he died. Wasn't Hollywood dead. He died. But he got up. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens. He left the earth. But he didn't leave what he wanted to do on the earth. He left you and I so he could fill all things. And he gave apostles so that you would know that you were sent. He gave prophets so you could hear the voice of God for yourself. And not ever have to go into a booth to ask somebody what God said for you. Some evangelists. Because everywhere you go, you can bring good news. Doesn't have to be bad news. Doesn't mean your life will change and every bad thing will happen. But you got the God who can help you change everything. Yeah. Some pastors, because we're sheep and we think we know something. And adjust us. And help us along our way. Help us, encourage us. When we don't want to do things, we know God really wants us to do. And we go for counsel. Because we already know the answer, but we're hoping. They say, wait. Like I've done sometimes. And teachers. So we could open up the word of God and understand it. Paul prays that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come to us. The scripture has never changed. But apparently, if he's praying that prayer, there are some things we still need to know. 
for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. God and Jesus is sitting at the Father's right hand, interceding for the mature man to be raised up in the earth. So that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Going to one church one week, going to another church the next week. Wanting to be an apostle one week and wanting to be a teacher the next week. Becoming a groupie of a particular ministry because we don't know ourselves yet. There are some wonderful ministries in the earth that I partner with. I go to their meetings. But they can only push me in the right direction. They can't make who God has intended me to be. But speaking the truth in love, that we might grow into all things. How do we grow into all things? Through being part of the body and receiving these gifts of grace from these men. Unto him who is the head of the church. He ascended on high and led captivity captives so we could be everything these graces represent. And you, if you're in Christ, you're a beneficiary of the graces in this book so that Jesus could be represented. You receive this word? Receive this word. Just going to count to three, and I just want you to stand. One, two, three, just stand. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. There's something, there's this sound, and there's this synchronization. Of just receiving the word of the Lord. Hosea eleven twelve says, and they will follow the Lord and he will roar like a lion. Just as a sign tonight that we've received the word of the Lord, I'm just going to count to three and I just want us all, and it's like this, 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 this sign of aligning with God, this sign that we received the victory that he gave us on this day that we celebrate his death. So, just as a sign of receiving this, just going to count one, two, three, and I just want you to lift your voice to heaven. I mean, some, I'm telling you, something's going to be released in this room. There's like a release and deliverance for some of you to break through. Just put your faith in a God who's in this room. Amen. So I'm just going to count to three just because it gives us a point of contact and a point of faith. And I just want you to just lift your voice to him. Don't worry about the person next to you. They're not really worried about you. One, two, three.
Thank you, Lord. Whoa. Whoa. Just lift your hands. And the Lord says that this will be a season where you break through like never before. I just see a fire in Jesus' hand touching some of your heads right now. This will be a season where you begin to think differently. Where when you see the mountain, you will see the opportunity. That when you see the mountain, you will see it through the eyes of God. There's fire now falling. I bless your hands to walk in miraculous power. To be the hands of Jesus as never before. Some of your feet are on fire. I bless your feet tonight. To go where you've never gone. I bless some of you to go to other nations. I bless your ears. Some of your ears are on fire. I bless your ears to hear the voice of the Lord as never before. I say dreams will begin to come to you in the night. I say where the enemy has robbed your night life. I say that you'll begin to dream as never before. I declare where there's been passivity, the seed of the Lord will now rise up upon the inside of you to say, no, 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 no. I will not receive this any longer. I bless the purpose of God to come out on the inside of you. I say there is a shift in the heavenlies over your life where there's been drought. Now there'll be rain. Where there's been delay, there will be now manifestation. I say there is boldness arising in your life tonight to walk where you've never walked in Jesus' name. I say relationships are coming into your life as never before. New relationships, favorable relationships. I say some of you, there's a shift in geography. You're shifting out of the place that you're in, but you're going to shift into the promised land. I say that the fire, there's some of you will feel, the, the word of the Lord will now come out of your lips as never before. You will decree a thing and it will be established to you as never before. I say that the word of God, I saw the word coming alive. The word of God will come off printed page and it will be released like fire in your bones. I say that this night, a door of encounter is opening for you as never before. I say that the beautiful face of God that Jesus died for you to see, you'll see in this season as never before. I say that you will know the kindness and the goodness of God as never before. The love of God will draw you and the fear of God will keep you. I say that the word of the Lord as it comes, you will tremble at its word. I say that some of you have been battling with this. I break the spirit, the fear of man off some of you. I release you into boldness to do what God has called you to do. And I release to you tonight, Mashaka, a fresh baptism of fire, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit to do everything God has called you to do. And the Lord says, don't look back in the place you stumbled. 
But look to me, the author and finisher of your faith. I'm not looking, says the Lord, at your mistakes. I'm looking at where I want to take you. I'm not looking at where you feel bound. I'm lifting you above every chain that you've even brought yourself in. And my hand of kindness is extended to you to walk on the path. Some of you who felt like I've gone too far down the wrong path. I could ever. And the Lord says, now is the day to turn back. Today is the day to turn back. May you know what it's like to live in your new nature. May you know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I break shame, guilt, condemnation, and performance off of you. I lift off that heavy weight and I declare his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I say that you will learn of him. You will be taught of him. I say this Good Friday 2017 is a new day for you. And that the kindness of God will be an ongoing experience. Some of you will wake up tomorrow and know this pleasure of the Lord. Some of you will feel like you're being hugged when you, wake, when you go to bed tonight. Some of you in this room... You need to get rid of some things in your home. You need to get rid of some things that have caused you to stumble. And God will give you the grace to free yourself. Because he is the bondage breaker. I break, in the name of Jesus, confusion in your mind. Where the enemy has tried to wrap itself around your mind. I say be free in Jesus' name. I say where you don't know what to do. I say the wisdom of God is being given to you. I say every good and perfect thing has been given to you. I declare divine direction for some of you needing divine direction. For some of you at a crossroads in your life, you'll know the voice of God and you'll follow. May the peace of God pass all understanding. Can you just say, I receive? receive. Amen. 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 You could be seated for a moment.